Shabbos, a person is not allowed to carry something on an animal on Shabbos. Not allowed to, you're not allowed to allow your animal to carry a burden on the Shabbos. It says, in order that you rest, uh, you, uh, excuse me, in order that your ox and your donkey should rest. When even the Pesach specifies a donkey or an ox, if this applies to any other animal or bird. The Torah just uses the common examples of animals that are used to carry things. You don't usually carry packages with your, with your, with your cat. But if you did, it would be the same problem. If you do carry something with an, using an animal on Shabbos, if you have your animal carry something, even though you commanded to let the animal rest, and you're like, there's no malchus, because the prohibition comes as a result of a mitzvah Therefore, in other words, there's no prohibition that not to allow your animal to carry something. There is a mitzvah to cause your animal not to carry something, cause it to rest, and you're violating that, that mitzvah saseh when you let the animal carry. Therefore, if someone uh, directs the animal on Shabbos, while the animal is carrying something, putter, you putter from karaskila uh, or, or, or a carbon, because you're not violating a negative mitzvah, you're only violating a mitzvah saseh. Even though you're violating a mitzvah saseh deraisa, halacha beis. Or lay lav shem afresh b'teir. However, the chayyim will ask. Even isn't it, isn't it an explicit lav in the Torah? Shemar it says lesasa chavalacha atu vincho vitacha. You shall not do any malacha. You, your son, your daughter, avdecha your servant, amoscha your maid servant, uvehamtecha and your animals. So you see here, there's a negative commandment not to allow your animal to work. So the Rambam explains that mitzvah is talking about shaliyah achesh ba kiritz ba charisha. You should not plow the animal or do things with the animal similar to plowing, but you do malacha with the animal. Comes out this lav of not, uh, not having your animal work is a lav that uh, is referring to a prohibition. If you violate it, you can be chayiv misa. Because if you do this, this avera of letting the animal work while you're working with it and plowing, you're doing a, you're, the person himself is doing Michal Shabbos with the animal, and there's Chiv Misa for that, if it's uh, with Adam and Hasra, witnesses and, and warning, and he's delivered. So because of that, there's a principle in Halacha that when you do an avera that uh, if in theory can have a person, if convicted, executed, then in Lakin Law, the principle is, is that in other contexts of that Simavera, there's no Malchus. Either the person's Chayav Misa or is off the hook. And because when you're working with your animal, you're, you're not Chayav Misa. If you don't actually do the Malacha with the animal, like you're not plowing with the animal, you're just having it carry, therefore, there's no Chayav Misa, therefore, there's no Malchus either. Excuse me, even though there's no Chayav Misa, there's no Malchus. Yid is not allowed to rent or lend his animal. Himagas means like a, a large animal, like an ox, for example, uh, to a guy uh, 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 for Shabbos. Because if he does so and the person has it over Shabbos, he will end up doing malach with it on Shabbos. And the Yid is obligated to ensure his animal rests, and he's not going to rest if the guy is going to use it on Shabbos for work. Now, therefore, the Chachamim prohibited a person to sell a large animal, such as an ox, to a guy. Perhaps, if he, if he, if he sells it to him, he may, and he may rent or lend it to him. And if he does rent or lend it to him, the person will have it over Shabbos. And he'll do on Shabbos. If he did sell it, as he's not allowed to, he is punished. He's penalized. He has an obligation to buy it back up to hundred, uh, excuse me, ten times the value of the animal. So if you sell it to him for a hundred, you have to buy it back up to a thousand dollars. That's the penalty. 
Even if an animal is broken, it's injured, you're not allowed to sell it, even though seemingly an animal which is injured has a broken leg, the guy is not going to use it for malacha. But nevertheless, it's a safeguard, you're not allowed to sell it either. Um, because it, it, even such an animal, if you were to rent it, the guy would not use it, nevertheless, you may not sell it. So you may, however, sell it to a guy through an agent. Uh, or a broker, selling to, to, to a guy through an agent or a broker is not going to cause you to rent or lend it through a broker because people don't usually rent or sell through brokers. Halacha doubt. Motelim Chalahem is allowed to sell a horse to a guy. Because a horse is only used to have a person ride it, not used for any other any other type of work, at least not in times of the Rambam or in times of the Gemara. Not for the purposes of carrying burdens. The principle is that a person who's alive carries himself, so to speak, in the sense that he shifts his weight, as we learned in previous prakim, for, so to speak, he's helping the person carry him. And therefore, if a person carries a, carries a live person, he's not transgressing a, a isdereza. Uh, if an animal carries a person, even if the person uh, leads the animal, he's also not doing isdereza, because again, a live person carries himself. So, the prohibition of uh, of selling an animal to a guy doesn't apply over here because even if you do sell the horse to a guy and then that leads you to end up renting or lending the horse to a guy, the only thing that's going to happen is the animal is going to carry a live person, which is not even his deraisa. Just so we could, like we said, you're not allowed to sell an animal to a guy. You're not allowed to sell an animal to a yid who we suspect is going to violate this prohibition and sell it to a, to a, to a guy. You are, however, allowed to sell them an animal, a cow or any other animal, presumably, for the purposes of slaughtering and eating, provided he kills it in front of you. You shouldn't sell it without making any specification, even though you think he's going to sell it, if the, you think he's going to use it for, uh, uh, to be slaughtered. You should, you should sell it only if he specifies for the purposes of shechita, and he shechs in front of you. Even if it's an ox that was fattened specifically for the purpose, Shema, perhaps, maybe he's going to wait till before he shechs it, and he's going to end up working with it in the meantime on the next Shabbos. And if you sell it to him and he works with it on the next Shabbos, even though it belongs to him, that's going to lead a person to lending you or renting to a guy, and the guy is going to abusing it on Shabbos to do malacha. In a place where the minig is to sell a non-Jew a smaller animal, which is not used for work, like a goat or a sheep, you may do so. The place where the minig became not to sell it to the guy, because maybe if you sell him a sheep or a goat, you're going to lend him a sheep or a goat. If you lend him a sheep or a goat, you might lend him a cow, and the cow will be you don't sell it to him. All places, you don't sell him a large, non-domesticated animal, like a deer or a hippopotamus, just like you're not allowed to sell them a domesticated uh, large animal, like an ox. Again, unless you use a broker or an agent. Someone who's traveling on the way, there's no guy with him to whom he can give his, 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 his money pouch. We learned in a previous parak that, uh, Vav, I believe, that if a person is traveling and uh, he has his money pouch with him, so Chazal said, if we're not going to let him save his money, he's going to make, make him give, you know, put it down and just keep traveling or let it, let it be there. Um, uh, but not, not be able to, to guard it on Shabbos, so he's not able to keep going with it on Shabbos. So, uh, he's going to end up uh, carrying with him Rosh uh, He's going to violate a, a, a biblical prohibition. So Chazal permitted to give it to a guy and have the guy carry it for you, even though usually speaking, not allowed to ask a guy liberally to do malachah for Yon Shabbos. Now, if a person has a, a guy with him, that's an option. 
the person is traveling with a guy and he has his own personal animal with him, it's better to give it to the guy than to have his animal carry it. What if a person has his animal but he's not traveling with it with a guy? But he had an animal with him. He should put his uh, pouch or his wallet on the animal while it's walking. When the animal wants to stop walking, take it from it before it stops walking. So the animal should not stop, uh, should not stand still, uh, uh, stop walking while it's, uh, while it's carrying the, the wallet. This way, there's neither a kir nor a nocha. We already learned before that when a person starts walking with something, holding an item or with an item in his pocket, that's considered an akira, picking it up. When he stops walking, that's equivalent to putting it down. To be high for carrying, it has to be an akira and a nocha. If a person, in this case, even an animal, while it's walking, someone puts something on it, and then that's not considered an akira because it, it, it comes on him while he's walking, so it's not considered to be picked it up. And then when he stops walking, uh, the animals, the, the item is already off him because the person took the wallet off. There's no anacha. So that's the manner to, 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 to use if the animal is carrying the wallet for you on Shabbos. So if the best thing to do is to have the, the wallet carried by an animal that does not belong to you. If, you. if you have that option. If there's no animal traveling with you that's not yours, next best thing is to give it to a, a guy. If there's no guy, then you give it to your own animal, have your own animal carry it. And uh, in, uh, in either scenario, whether you, it's being carried by an animal that's not yours, as is most ideal, or by an animal which belongs to you, which is least ideal, this is the way it's supposed to be done. Put it on the animal while it's walking and take it from it before it stops. You're not allowed to direct the animal even uh, using your voice without touching it. All, all the while, the, the wallet is on the animal. You should not be doing what we call uh, leading the animal, directing the animal on Shabbos. A person should not put his animal, his wallet on the, on the animal, unless there's no guy with him. Because we have no obligation to see to it that a guy rests on Shabbos. We do have an obligation to see to it that, to see to it that our animal rests. So it's better to give it to a guy than to give it to your animal. But the halacha is talking about a case where there's no guy with him, so he has no choice, he uses, he uses his animal to carry the wallet. Halacha zayin. What if a person has various other yidn with him, but these are yidn who are not mechayi for mitzvahs? The person had with him a cherish, a person who's deaf mute. A shayta, a person who's mentally incompetent. The cotton or a minor who's not mechayi for mitzvahs, these are all three people who have no chayiv biblical obligation in mitzvahs. So, then, uh, he, even though he has these people with him, he should put it on, on the animal rather than, than, than these, these people. But he should not give one of any, any of them, even though they're not mechayi for mitzvahs. They are a Jewish person in the sense that um, that even though they're not biblically obligated to do any of the, the, the mitzvahs, but still there's value in the mitzvah they do. And even though they have no prohibition of doing an Avera, so to speak, they're not obligated because they don't have the intelligence to be obligated, but there's still uh, a value in them not, prohibit, not, not violating a mitzvah. Uh, so therefore, you better give it to the animal even though you have an obligation to let the animal rest. Possibly, like Rashi explains to the Gemara over there, apparently, that if you, if you let one of these the people do the uh, carrying on Shabbos, a person is going to come to make an error and think that any person is allowed to carry as well. He had with him no animal. He had with him a deaf mute and a mentally incompetent person. A shaita. If any member him, there's no animal with him. Nice, the shaita, they better give it to the shaita than rather than the cherish. Shaita is less obligated, so to speak, in the sense that he has no intelligence or minimal intelligence, whereas a deaf mute has a higher level of intelligence. Shaita the cotton, he has him a shaita and a cotton. It's better given to the shaita rather than the cotton. The cotton has, has an obligation, at least from Chinuch. He has a deaf mute. And a cotton, he should give them whichever one he wants. 
person didn't have, was, was alone. He didn't have an animal. He didn't have a guy. He had any, any of these uh, three types of people. Now what should he do? Again, the Chazal were afraid if we don't let him do something to save his money, he's going to just carry it as normal. So he should walk with it less than four Amis at a time and stop and start each time. He never carries four Amis in one shot. Even a case where he finds something where it's not a loss of money he earned, he can walk with it four amas at a time. That's only after he already found the item. Perhaps he found it before Shabbos and, uh, and Shabbos started, but he, you know, after he found the item. Or even perhaps even the means he found it, he took it on Shabbos. Uh, ideally, he shouldn't, but he did already. However, before the person takes the item, if he wants, if he wants to do the right thing, if he's able to stand and guard it till the nighttime, till Shabbos ends, he should do that. If he's unable to, then just like his wallet, he should uh, carry the, found, the, the item that he finds less than four hours at a time. And uh, this way he's not a chayav isdraisa. Halachachas teaches us that uh, uh, something which is meant to lead the animal or that's meant to restrain the animal that's necessary to control it is not considered to be something which is a burden and the animal is not considered to be carrying it. So therefore, you're allowed to have it on the animal on Shabbos. So you're allowed to lead an animal on Shabbos using with with the reins or its bridle. A bridle is the headgear used to control a horse. Shalah. So you're allowed to lead it with the with the reins and the bridle. For who provides that that animal or that 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 bridle and reins are appropriate for that animal. Good, for example, the Ram gives examples over here the types of things that are appropriate for the animals. Sher lesus, a neck ring for a horse, afsar legamo, and a, a rope for with for a camel. It's a rope that's tied to its mouth. The chatom lenaka, an iron bit for a female camel. Apparently, female camels were stronger than male camels, or are stronger than male camels, uh, and therefore require stronger restraints. So v'sugar lechelev and a muzzle for a dog. However, if I ever take out an animal with a bridle, it's not uh, sufficient to guard the animal. Like a person ties a rope in the mouth of a horse. Or, for example, if it's a type of uh, a restraint or a, a bridle that's that's uh, not appropriate for the animal, it's it's. Uh, it's too strong, too excessive for the animal. Because it can be guarded with something far, far, far less than it. For example, a person takes out, take out a donkey with a, uh, a horse's neck ring, which is uh, excessive, it's not necessary. Or a muzzle for a cat. The cats don't need a muzzle, it's, it's, it's too excessive. That's considered a burden. Because any time the, the, the item is excessive, uh, restraint, or... Um, or insufficient restraint, that's considered a burden. Now, you don't have to test every single animal exactly to get the perfect item for it. You go by what's n- n- considered normal based on societal norms. Halacha test. A person is not allowed to engage in behavior on Shabbos that makes it look, look like he's engaging in business and commerce. So therefore, halacha test. Should not tie camels to each other and draw them as like as if they're tied to each other like a caravan, one behind the other. As we'll say soon, it looks like he's le- le- leading them to be sold. Even they were tied together before Shabbos started. You can't draw them, you can't pull them that way on Shabbos. However, if you have various camels, each one has their own rope, then you can gather the various uh, ropes in your hands in that sense. That doesn't look like you're leading to sell them. 
Now there is another problem. Who provides you now to have uh, the ropes extending from more than a tefach out of your hand. So it has to be uh, that from your hand to the mouth of all these camels is less, is less than a tefach. So you really got to be close to all of them. They're kind of, obviously their heads are very close together apparently. I'm not sure exactly how that would work uh, without the camels getting nervous at each other. But the problem is if the rope extends longer out of your hand, it looks like you're carrying the rope and not using it to restrain the animal. So it looks like you're carrying on Shabbos. Because it doesn't look, doesn't look like the rope is necessary for the, the, the animal if it's that far out of your hand. Uh... Also, the, the uh, rope, from the, as, it, when it, as it goes from the mouth of the animal to your hand, it has to be at least a tefach off the ground. So therefore, uh, if, 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 you're, if there's a very long rope, and you and, uh, okay, so I made a mistake. The, the, the first point that Alan says about the, that the, 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 the rope should not go more than a tefach out of your hand, that's not talking about the rope between your hand and the animal's mouth or whichever part of the animal it's tied to. It's talking about the rope that extends out of your hand. Uh, in other words, if you hold the rope very close to the animal's mouth, and a lot of it is just dragging, dragging out on the other side of your hand, on the ground, or outside your hand, that's a problem. So therefore, you have to hold the rope at the end uh, so that the, the dafka will be an ample space between your hand and the animal's mouth, and, the, and, and very little of the rope is left over, uh, doesn't, so it doesn't look, look like you're carrying the excess rope. Now also, it can't be too far, your rope can't be too long, because if it's, or you have to be carrying it in a way that uh, you, you hold the rope high, because if the, the rope is hanging in such a way that it's less than tefach from the ground, also have to make sure that the rope, from the, as it leads from the animal's mouth to your hand, should be higher than tefach of the ground, because it will look like you're carrying it uh, if it hangs lower, it looks like it's not for the purpose of restraining the animal, but uh, an unnecessary burden. Now, why can't you just have the camels tied to each other in a line as is normal? It looks like you're leaving the animals in the marketplace to sell them. Or you limit to a place where you, where the animals are used for, uh, for sport on Shabbos, which is also considered forbidden commerce on Shabbos. That's why animals should not go on Shabbos with a bell. Even if it was stuffed in the sense that the clapper wouldn't make a noise, because the bell makes it look attractive, and um, the bell also make like 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 a sound, so people would like pay attention and see the cow and come to look at it, and uh, that's the reason why people would have bells on an animal. It would make it easier to sell to attract customers. Uh, to make it look better and also to attract tr- customers. Now, people watching this guy don't realize that, that the bell has been plugged necessarily. Perhaps they're going to think that, the animal, that it's not making noise. It's not shaking too hard. And again, it looks like he's going to the marketplace to sell the animal on Shabbos. The animal should not go out with the bell attached to its cover. Uh, the bell was used, uh, in that case, again, for the same purpose. Uh, people will think you could take it to sell. Uh, you shouldn't go out with a seal attached to its neck. Again, these are all things that are not necessary that the animal carry on Shabbos. Alternatively, there's a shash that will fall off and the person will come to carry it himself. There's like a seal that was used to identify the animal, like a collar. Or, or a seal attached to its covering. Animals had blankets on them sometimes or coverings of sorts. Nor a, a strap attached to its foot. Um... Uh, was maybe a strap for identification or for uh, or to protect the wound, nor a ladder on its neck, uh, some kind of wooden restraint that was on the animal's neck to prevent it from turning around and chewing on a wound on its back. The dog should not go out with a, with a saddle cloth. 
animal donkeys are usually cold and they always must have like a, some sort of uh, blanket to cover them. Elim kenhalisek shulim every Shabbos, unless the animal had had the saddlecloth tied to it on Shabbos. It has to be tied because it it'll always fall off. But if it, it easily fall off. Um, but if it's not tied to before Shabbos, then the person is going to tie it on Shabbos. He's going to end, ha- end up leaning on the animal, which is not allowed. Alternatively, and perhaps if it wasn't tied before Shabbos, that means it really doesn't really need it that badly. And tying it on Shabbos is not is considered unnecessary uh, activity. And therefore, to let it wear it on Shabbos, it doesn't really have to wear it. It's not allowed. Uh, a camel should not go out with a patch attached to its hump or attached to its tail. This is a patch that was for identification purposes or maybe for superstitious reasons. Unless it was tied to both its hump and its tail. Again, probably this is because if it's not uh, tied that way, it may fall off, you might carry it, or it's uh, not really doing its purpose, so it's considered an unnecessary burden that's carrying on Shabbos. A camel should not go out if it has one of its uh, front legs or hind legs tied to each other. purpose of this is just to make sure the animal shouldn't walk too fast, but again, it's considered an unnecessary burden. The same thing applies to all of the animals. Chicken is not allowed to go out in the Shusharabim. With a cord or a strap tied to its feet, this was for the purpose of restraint or for the purpose of identification. A ram is not allowed to go out, go to with a wagon that was put under its tail. Apparently, there were certain species of species of ram that um, when it was fat and all the fat collected in its, in its tail and got very heavy, and it was hard for the ram to lift it easily. So a small wagon was made attached to the ram to support its tail as it walked to prevent it from dragging on the ground and becoming bruised. And the Ramam Pirsha Mishnayas describes that he was familiar with that species, actually. Uh, so again, that's considered an unnecessary burden. Uh, a female sheep, a ewe, now that I'm going to describe with the wood chips that are placed in their nostrils, in their nostrils, so they should sneeze, and the, and the worms that should fall out in their, in their brains, that worms in their brains and they should they should fall out by sneezing and then this wood chip that was placed in their nostrils would make them sneeze a lot and they would eventually get dislodged the worms uh, the Ramam elsewhere explains that the male sheep used to butt their heads together a lot in fighting and therefore that would make the worms come out so they didn't need this that's why it's after the female sheep just a kafasais um, a, 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 a calf is not allowed to go out with the yoke that the small yoke they put on its neck and even though a calf is too small to pull a plow that the animal should get used to being subdued and it'll be, later it'll be easier to, to plow with it and put a yoke on it. So that's considered, again, an unnecessary burden. It's just the purpose of training. And it, therefore, it's not allowed to go out with shavavim. The animal is not allowed to go out with a, a sevacha is the skin of a hedgehog. That's put on its mouth. That prevents, excuse me, I made a mistake. Um, is a muzzle. Um, the animal should not go out the muzzle that's put on its mouth. They shouldn't bite. They shouldn't eat uh, uh, from any anyone else's anyone else's uh, yard. A cow should not go to Shushrabim with a hedgehog skin. Cooper is a hedgehog, apparently. That's put on the mammary glands of the animal. They should not eat from any shedder to prevent 
the uh, creepy crawling animals from milking the animal to, to drink its milk. It's milk. She is while sleeping. An animal should not go out with a uh, strap between its horns, but it's there for purposes of identification, perhaps. Whether it's there for uh, uh, decoration, uh, the shaman, or it's there as a restraint. So, for example, you're gonna, uh, you know, tie the, a, a rope to the rope between its horns to keep it uh, close by. A goat whose horns are pierced, and apparently, I guess they would use the they put a rope through the pierced horns again to restrain the animal. It's allowed to go out with this rope. It's tied to its horns on the Shabbos. Um, however, if if it was tied to its beard, also then it's also. Why Maybe its person is going to tear it off. Actually, let them, maybe maybe the goat's going to tear it off while it's in the Shabbim. The person is going to pick it up and carry it in the Shabbim and bring it back home, not to lose it. All these different uh, things apply to all situations. Anytime there's an animal carrying something, which is considered to be uh, uh, anything which is not, not not necessary for the animal itself, that's considered to be a burden. You now to carry it on Shabbos, or any time that there's something that the animal has, which is even considered to be basic for the animal, but use it shash, you may come to uh, it'll fall, and you come to carry it. You now to carry it on Shabbos. Male animals, uh, male rams, are allowed to go into Shashabim with the leather that's tied around their, their male organ, which is meant to prevent them from mounting the females. And they also may go out to Shashabim with the leather that's tied around their hearts, so they shouldn't be attacked by wolves. The wolves would attack them by, by attacking their hearts, and this leather blocked that. And with the embroidered cloth, that makes them look more uh, more attractive. Even though that's considered to be something for the animal, but it's not allowed because it makes them attractive to other animals, but not to people. Therefore, it's considered to be a burden. Or uh, we're talking about a case where there was it was an attractive ornament that was dafka worn only on Shabbos, um, and that's not allowed. Animals don't have the you know idea of Shabbos clothing. But if it's a decoration that was that was that was worn during the week, that is allowed on Shabbos actually, perhaps. Female sheep, they're allowed to go out with the fat, with their fat tail tied to their backs. In order to, to uh, interest the male sheep to have relations with them, or with the rope that ties the, the tail downward to dissuade the males from having relations with them. They're allowed to go out with a co- covered with a cloth, which prevents their wool from getting dirty. It keep, keep it keeps it clean. Goats are allowed to go out with the mammary glands tied, which will cause the milk to dry up. And this apparently is done to change the goat's hormonal balance. So it will con- it'll conceive faster. However, if the mammary glands were tied so the milk would not flow out, until they milk them when Shabbos is over, um, so if there, if if this was if the uh, the mammary glands were tied with whatever material it was to prevent the milk from flowing out to, until the evening, 
that is, is something with, 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 with which they're not allowed to go out into the Shusharabim. During the week, animals are milked in the morning and the evening, so there's very little chance that there'll be extra milk that will, that will be lost and, and ooze out. Shabbos now milk the animals, so it's possible the extra milk would build up and ooze out, and you would lose it. Therefore, they would tie it to prevent that from happening. So that tie is considered to be an excess burden, they're not allowed to carry that on Shabbos. Or possibly, possibly it's, it's not allowed because if, it, if the animal goes to Shushanabim, these ties will fall off and the person will carry them back home. Donkey's not to go out wearing a saddle. Even when it was tied to the animal before Shabbos started. A horse should not go out wearing a foxtail. It was uh, considered to be a skula to, to uh, prevent the uh, iron horror for the, uh, for the, uh, the horse. North a scarlet thread between its eyes. And animal should not go out with a feeding bag attached to its mouth. Nor with metal shoes. Nor with an amulet that has not uh, proven its uh, effectiveness for an animal. An animal may go out with a bandage placed on a wound. And um, uh, metal plates are placed on a broken bone to keep it in place. Or with a placenta that is hanging from it if the animal is, uh, has given birth and the placenta is hanging, it's allowed to go out like that. You're allowed to plug the bell hanging from its neck. Uh, and let the animal go around, like walk around the courtyard. And uh, even though other people see it, uh, they're not going to think you're going to sell it because you're not just you're only, you're only in your courtyard. A person is allowed to put a saddlecloth on a donkey and let it uh, walk around the courtyard. You're not, however, allowed to attach a feeding bag to the animal on Shabbos, even if it's only going to be in the, in the chutz or in the courtyard. This is to make it easier for the animal to eat so it shouldn't go hungry. Just like a person has an obligation to ensure his animal rests on Shabbos, so the person has an obligation to make sure his servant and maidservants rest on Shabbos. Even though they are adults and they act intelligently, and therefore they have their own uh, choice as to whether they're going to keep Shabbos or keep Shabbos or not. We have an obligation to do our utmost to prevent them from doing Malach on Shabbos. If your servant, when no one's looking, uh, picks his tomatoes out of his salad because he wants he's doing butter, but he doesn't like tomatoes. So that's not you're not punished for that, it, but you have an obligation not not let not let him do that. For, however, Shem Pasuk says in order that your ox and your donkey should rest, and the son of your maidservant should rest, and the uh, the foreigner should rest. We'll explain what a ger means in a second over here. The servant or maid servant that we have an obligation to make sure they rest. They are servants that have had a bris milah, in the case of a male, obviously only, and they tell the mikvah for the sake of being an evid kanani. And they accept the mitzvahs that a servant has to do. So it's like a quasi conversion, and they're quasi Jews. If this is the famous concept of evid kanani or amirvia. They have an obligation to keep mitzvahs like a Jewish woman, all positive mitzvahs which, have, which are time-bound, and all negative mitzvahs without exception, basically. However, servants who did not go to the mikvah, did not uh, have a bismillah. They only accept the seven mitzvahs that they have to keep. They're going to have to keep. We described an earlier prokim 
exactly how that would work, in what context. There, like a Gertesha, like a non-Jew, who keeps seven mitzvahs in the Benin They're allowed to do Malacha for themselves in public, like a, like a Jew may do during the week. And the concept of Gertesha only exists during when the time of the evil exists, which we said earlier means when there is a majority of Jews in Eretz Yisrael. Since a Gertesha, who keeps Shev Mitzvahs, is a non-Jew, and therefore he's allowed to do Malachah for himself on Shabbos. There's no problem if a Gertesha drives his car on Shabbos. The Gertesha is, is a Yid. For all purposes. So, regarding who does it say, that, he, that the son of the maid should rest, and also the ger, which ger is it referring to? It can't be a ger teshev. Ger teshev is a guy. He doesn't have, to keep, does not have to keep Shabbos. He only must keep Shev mitzvahs, but not Shabbos. And it can't be a ger tzedek. He's a regular Jew. So the Pasuk doesn't have to mention him. So who's it referring to? He's talking about a ger teshev who is a hired worker for a yid. Just like the what the pasuk roof says right before that is benam benam the son of a maidservant, so to speak. So he's not exactly a maidservant; he's like the son of a maidservant, not the son biologically, as Rama is darshaning, but like a, a subcategory, sort of, so to speak, a sort of a sort of a maidservant because you, you don't own him as a slave; you did hire him, though he is your hired work. Whatever he does, you pay him. He should not do malacha for his master on for his uh, employer in this case, not master on Shabbos. For himself, he may do it. Even if this ger uh, was a eved, Pelayama means he was not avdoi his servant, but he was a servant. Uh, he may do malacha for himself on Shabbos, but he does not. Uh, he, but uh, that's 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 fine. He may not do malacha for a yid. So this is like a, a, a remez where even biblically you see that a Jew is not allowed to hire. I'll go ahead and do malacha for my Shabbos.